All right, gentlemen, we're stuck in quarantine and it means we got to talk about Manscaped. You know what? <laughs> I just, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, I talked to one of our members the other day who said like, hey, like, I don't, I don't know. I, I, is it worth it? Is it, you know, is it any different than just a beard trimmer, et cetera, et cetera? And I was like, it's different. It's different. You got to have the right tools for the right job and manscaped is the right tool for the job it is that there's going to be no lawnmower 4.0 because lawnmower 3.0 is just perfect it, it it trims the crops just how you want it really does it really does so make sure you check out manscaped today and if you use the code dnvr20 you're going to get 20 percent off your entire purchase plus free shipping it's a really sick deal and manscaping accidents will be a thing of the past for you so check out manscaped today and let's jump into the show Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. We are day two of the quarantine podcast here. Day two of God knows how many. Hopefully <laughs> as few as possible. Mace, you have that look in your eyes like you're watching CNN again. <laughs> uh, I'm not, actually. I, actually, I was just scrolling through the uh, through the comments right now. So we've got 15 of them, so... Oh, that's okay. actually a happier place. I'm yeah. a, I'm just multitasking. Classic See, I place. hate I hate the on camera element of this. I got to be honest with you because, like, every time I do a podcast or a radio show, I'm always like looking up something. Like, if we're talking about something, sometimes I'm looking up some info that I can drop into the conversation when there's when there's an opening for me to do so. But these Zoom conversations, I guess the etiquette they want you to be like actually looking at your ipad i, I just no i hate but that you do realize when we normally do the podcast we can see you right right but <laughs> but you're but you're closer it's like you're really i mean we have to have a few feet of distance with each other right now i'm seeing you guys on the screen and the screen is like 10 inches or so away from me so i think yeah, i think i'm I not think a fan miss- of that I think Mace looks like he's about to go on TV just because of the way the background is with him. He's got the bobblehead set up. Looks like a, a legit setup. Ryan looks like a legit professional gamer because he's got the <laughs> he's got the gaming headset and then uh, a little green screen behind him, making it just seem like he could be put in a perfect scenario for gaming. Yeah, you've also got the lights behind me, the light yeah. kit. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about, the professional setting. Yeah, you um, look like you're in your room. Yep. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> are, those, are those credential lanyards in the background? I mean, what is that? I see it over oh, your left no. shoulder. What do you got there? Those are uh, racing medals that my girlfriend ah. has uh, earned. No. Oh, I, okay. uh, I do have the credentials right behind that door, mm-hmm. though. All of them. 
All right. I have like a, such a big collection of them in one of those, you know, just boxes that like slides in and out of, um, I don't know what you would call it. You, you guys know where I'm like talking under about under, under my TV. Yeah. Those little three little things. Yep. I have a full one of those. And I think all of the um, lanyards are starting to get tangled with each other. It might be, oh, it might God. be a lost hope. Oh God. Um, all right. Well, thank you guys for uh, bearing with us as we, podcast from quarantine like we said yesterday we're working on just anything we can possibly do to make this as good as possible and mace that's one of the reasons why we are doing this for video conference so we can have some non-verbal communication like we normally do during the pod but uh i want to start with something that we brought up yesterday as something that would be a good good topic to talk about and i'm really interested to see where you guys stand on this because we had a commenter yesterday ask us, how is the lack of practice going to impact Drew Locke? Now, we aren't 100% sure of how this is going to be handled. Are they going to take away all of OTAs and mini camps and all that stuff? Or is it going to be different? Or is there just going to be no media, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? But we have a feeling that there's going to be an extremely reduced amount of things for the Broncos to do this offseason, at least leading up to training camp. So the main question, and, and I think it's the main question with anything in the Broncos and how they're going to do this season, is how will a lack of practice time impact Drew Locke specifically? Yeah, and this is, this is the biggest question. And kind of like we touched on yesterday, this impacts not having an offseason, if that's what it comes down to impacts what rookies probably the most than quarterbacks learning a new system and then young quarterbacks and drew while he isn't a rookie so he escapes that he's a young quarterback learning a new system so unfortunately this this does affect him a lot yeah and i think the system is the big part of this and uh of course pat Shermer coming in that the nomenclature will be similar but the offensive points of emphasis are going to change. He's a, he's a young quarterback. He didn't have a couple of months of practice time last year. So he's still kind of growing in that regard too. And while it is, I think it'll not hurt the Broncos on the defensive side. And that's sort of what you're hoping for here. A young quarterback trying to grasp the scheme. Uh, this isn't, this isn't the most positive set of circumstances for him right now. Now, that being said, you do wonder if, there's a way, let's say things start getting back to normal in June or even late June. You wonder if there's a way to get the OTA-type work in in July and literally go straight from OTAs into training camp. Because one of the things I was thinking about last night on this is how the first few days of training camp are actually the second go-round of stuff from OTAs, kind of reteaching uh, what they went over in part because some because there's usually like a two-and-a-half-month gap from the first OTA to the start of training camp. Well, if you have OTAs go straight into training camp, is that necessary? So if they can – there's actually a chance, guys, of maybe being able to turn this into a little bit of a positive in terms of what they do and, and how they go about it. But uh, right now, just in this realm and what we know about uh, – uh, where things stand it's 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 not a, it's it's a bad thing for him i'd say yeah it's hard to find a dove valley two-step on this <laughs> uh, unfortunately I, I don't 
I don't know. It'd be one thing, and and again, in hindsight is twenty twenty in a lot of these situations. It'd be one thing if Rich Gangarello is still the offensive coordinator, and Drew could be at home, you know, reviewing tape of what he's already done, reviewing all every practice he ever had, all of that stuff, and he can look at some of that stuff from a footwork perspective and whatnot. But unfortunately. At this point, you made the change in offensive coordinator. And because of that, you're now in an awkward position where you're going to have a young quarterback trying to learn a whole new system with very little time and experience to do so. Um, I will say that if anyone's used to learning new systems, it's Drew Locke. Uh, You know, almost every year of his college and pro career, he's had to learn a new one. So he should be actually pretty well conditioned in how this is done. But again, you're taking away time from him and time is a really valuable asset when it comes to learning these things. So uh, it's going to be tough for him to really have this thing nailed down by week one, in my opinion. Well, it's, it's all really good points. Have Pat Shermer and Drew Locke ever met in person since Pat became the Broncos offensive coordinator? I, I don't think so. And that's, that's crazy to think that these guys may not meet in person since Pat became the offensive coordinator until training camp or until June or late May. That's wild. The good thing is, is just like we're doing now, they can use Zoom and see, and see each other. I would imagine they can do that, right? They can do that, but there are also limitations on the football conversations that they can have between now and then the, or the usual start of team organized workouts and how, so, and, and how long they could talk and what they could talk about. So the question I have for the NFL is let's, you get to that usual starting time, which for teams with new coaches is coming up here in a couple of weeks for teams that uh, retain their head coaches, it's the week leading up to the draft. Is there a way that with, through Zoom, through like what we're doing right now, that coordinators and coaches could have meetings with their players wherever they are, have virtual meetings, so maybe they can't get in the workouts and the on-field work, but maybe they can get the classroom work in? I would think so, and I would definitely think that's something that every team – would utilize it. And and that could be a classroom experience. You know, we can share screens with each other. Mm -hmm. We can draw on whiteboards if we want, but so so that, that could definitely help with the classroom thing. And Ryan gave a a good example of that. Drew, if anyone can learn a new system quickly, it's Drew because he has the experience with that. Another thing that Drew has on his side is last year, he did not have the proper, practice time in place before making his starts and he came out and he went four and one and he absolutely balled and those were his first NFL games ever so if it comes down to that let's say that this thing pushes training camp short makes training camp short makes the preseason abbreviated and uh, the teams are coming off of you know three weeks of getting to be with each other before the start of the regular season. I don't know if they would do that. If there's been no discussions of that, I'm just saying if that happens, well, Drew was in a similar position last year and that didn't seem to phase him. So that could actually be what, while I think that uh, there are some things hurting him in this, that could also be something that that goes on his side. 
Yeah, the Zoom idea, and, and real quick, just a shout out to Zoom. I feel like they are <laughs> such an important tool um, for for the whole world right now. I mean, uh, CU is do, teaching classes via Zoom. We're, you know, uh, able to see each other because of Zoom. Um, Should have bought stock in them a couple months ago. <laughs> yeah. The Broncos um, should be able to do a full team meeting. Literally, they could do they could have Vic Fangio in the center of the screen and the whole team sitting there. So, I hope that they are being proactive and using you know forward thinking when it comes to this stuff because there are tools at our disposal to try to you know stop them from breaking their stride when it comes to everything other than the on field stuff and. The truth is, I would say that the um, the classroom work when it comes to learning a new system is could be even more important than being on the field. Um, because once you have it in your mind, it's a lot easier to go and translate it on the field. Yeah, I completely, completely agree with that. And, and Drew can can go in his backyard and throw footballs to his girlfriend, his dad, wherever he is right now. If he's in Kansas City, if he's in Denver, I'm not worried about Drew's mechanics. I'm not, uh, footwork is definitely not the, the priority for me with Drew. His, his keeping his arms strong is not the priority. It is, it is the complete mental side. I have a really funny visual in my head right now of Drew just throwing <laughs> lasers at his girlfriend and her being like, whoa, whoa, chill out. <laughs> that probably wouldn't work out too well. She'd have to put on like uh, a like hockey goalie equipment or a baseball catcher equipment to make sure like she, that uh, she wasn't getting welts all over her from the howitzers that Drew Locke was firing in her direction. Well, I mean, I, I hope he's got a place to do that. I hope he's got a yard rather than – say being in an apartment well i, th I think some of these guys are in apartments and condos and be, it might be hard to find a spot it depends on where he is i know his, just from seeing on his instagram story that his family lives on a golf course in missouri so he could just go out to the old seventh hole and call that a football field and he might be able to get away with that even though kansas city is going on shelter in place the entire area is going on shelter in place if he's out there yeah not to like not to be a snitch, but I have a buddy who lives on a golf course. The golf course is shut down, and he's just been going out every day playing three or four holes. <laughs> if you really want to be a snitch, tell us uh, what golf course it is. Yep, not going to do it. But yeah, I, I think mean, he just gave my brother-in-law an idea because he lives on a golf course in Madison, Wisconsin. Like the eighth green backs up to his house. Yeah, I and mean, he's probably going to do the same thing. I assume you could probably get in trouble for that, but. Uh, it's worth a try. I actually got in trouble when I was a kid because we found out like there was this one, I lived near a golf course and there was this one hole that had a huge hill on it. And we discovered that um, when the sprinklers came on, you could use that hill as just like a giant slip and slide. <laughs> so we went, uh, we went and just like slid down the whole hill and then we got caught by the police and flushed out. Oh, wow. By the That sounds amazing, though. It sounds worth it. It was fun. I mean, obviously, the police took mercy on us because we were like nine years old. But they were like, <laughs> you are trespassing and you cannot do this. So. <laughs> but as for Drew, I think they I think there's a way to make this work. I think everyone in the NFL is going to be at a slight disadvantage. I mean, you know, you want to say there are certain places who aren't. Unfortunately, Zach, like you mentioned yesterday, 
don't think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be impacted by this much. They have very little turnover on their roster, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. They have a system that's been in place for a while. It's just – it's there's a lot of reasons why they should be okay. And, and like I said, unfortunately, because they changed the system, the Broncos are at a slight disadvantage. And there's another thing for the Chiefs. What is the one thing that usually works against teams that go to the Super Bowl is that they lose – rest time going into the off season because they're playing a month longer than the teams that don't make the playoffs at all, or four weeks longer than those who lose in the wild card round. And sometimes that can lead to a bit of exhaustion, especially if you have multiple deep runs over multiple years. Of course, the chiefs went all the way to the AFC championship game in 2018. Well, everyone's going to be well rested this time because you might be doing distance learning. You might be on your Zoom, but nobody's going to be going out there and working and doing OTAs uh, for quite a while. So effectively, the disadvantage that teams that make deep runs to the conference championships or Super Bowls have is negated by this offseason. So the rich get richer <laughs> for, the, for the most part with this. Um, but I, I guess that there are – there have been a lot of moving parts in terms of quarterbacks this offseason more than usual. I mean, there's going to be, you know, the same number of first round quarterbacks taken this year. Uh, one of those potentially in the division with uh, the chargers, but you have Tom Brady moving, you have Phillip rivers moving, you have Jameis Winston moving, you have a lot of guys moving. And so that's, that's going to make a disadvantage for all of those other teams too. Yeah. And, uh, just thinking in terms of the quarterbacks, it's going to come up. We're going to hear it incessantly nationally with Tom Brady and the Bucks, because he's going down to Tampa. He's going into a different, uh, different scheme, different nomenclature, uh, some different ideas uh, that he's going to be working with with Bruce Arians. Now, there's talk about Tom Brady maybe getting to the point where he can invite O.J. Howard and Cameron Brate and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin out to his place in Montana and work out there. But even th- like. I mean, it's great that he can do that, but let's say teams aren't gathering until July. Well, I mean, what sort of travel restrictions are are still going to be in place? What sort of gathering restrictions are still going to be in place that might prevent a gathering of anything more than like five, like uh, 10 people? So if Tom, if Tom Brady asks you to go to his ranch in Montana, you walk there if you have to. Ideally, but again, it's got to be you got to get to the point where you can get people around. I mean, the the airlines are are cutting flights left and right, although I guess Tom could just send his private jet. But I don't think Drew Locke has the ability to go get a private jet and get his guys out to Kansas City or wherever for for a workout. So that's a good question. How important is the uh, much talked about passing camps in the offseason? Depends on the quarterback. Uh, I think uh, for Peyton Manning, is it was a utmost importance uh drew lock still I, I, look if you're still learning like drew lock i'm not sure the passing camps are going to be as important because one of the things you have to do is have enough nfl experience have seen enough to where you can kind of help guide guys i think we're even though drew lock in a normal off season would certainly be working out with guys we're probably a couple of years out from drew lock gathering players and it really being able to help everybody yeah, uh, I think that if you're able to do this and if you're not going to get, like, socially shamed for it, um, this could be huge to be able to do an off-season meetup. Um, I mean, 
if guys are in Denver and, and I don't know where guys are, but you know, obviously Denver makes sense to me as a meeting point. Could they not just literally go to the park across the street from the Broncos headquarters and practice there? It depends on uh, what they could get away with. Cause right now, like in, in Denver with the shelter in place at city parks, one of the things that they're not letting people do is throw a ball around because they're not letting people play basketball. They're not letting people play volleyball. Yeah, there's they're literally saying, legislation saying, that says that. <laughs> that's part of it. Like you can, you can walk around. You can jog. You can walk or jog with social distancing, but basically all the volleyball and all the basketball that's being canceled out because I mean, in theory, yeah. what if you what if you've got um, what if you got COVID nineteen on the ball and it's being tossed around? I mean, I guess would you say, well, we're gonna go and we're all gonna put latex gloves on. And, and that sort of thing, but I don't think that's going to fly. So it, just everything is impacted and at this. I mean, really, the only, way, the only thing Drew Locke could get away with is like being, being throwing the football to somebody who's basically living with him, who is sheltering in place with him, like, as you his said. His girlfriend. His girlfriend. <laughs> you, you thought you went to Montana for TB12, but you ended up with COVID-19. Oh. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, oh, man. like I said, as long as you can do it without, you know, breaking the rules, because it's a very, uh, sensitive thing right now, mm-hmm. um, then I think it would be really, really valuable to be able to do something like that. Yeah. And yeah, maybe, and I, yeah. maybe it is something where, um, nothing is done in the next month. And then they have zoom meetings once the, you know, the off season would start right around the end of April, they do those for, um, you know, uh, the month of May as well. And then maybe travel and, and life gets a little more normal in terms of where at least traveling seems okay. And then maybe that's when Drew does host, um, a, a week long, passing summit whether it's in denver whether it's in kansas city whatever that is and then that actually would be more beneficial than you know the case keenum passing academy we heard so much about or the you know is joe flacco gonna hold one is trevor Simeon and mark sanchez it, those uh, those had no weight in my mind those didn't mean anything and this one would mean a little bit more yeah the sanchez passing academy didn't quite work out did it <laughs> well, you can't bring your back up if uh, you're close to losing your job anyway. <laughs> I still actually believe that had he been the starter, Mark Sanchez would have had the best season of any of the of the Broncos quarterbacks since the Super Bowl. Because oh, man. As long as he didn't have to go up against Lorenzo Doss or what? Yeah, I mean, Lorenzo Doss was on his own team. <laughs> I don't yeah, know why he he was still giving the ball away when he got out there in the preseason. Oh, that was the problem. That was what did it. I know, I know. Yeah, <laughs> but maybe it would have. Maybe it just would have been more exciting. I don't know. It felt like when he actually was not turning the ball over, he was he looked really good. It would it it would have been more exciting, man. And it, it wasn't he suspended for PEDs the year like the off season after he was with the Broncos. So does that mean he was juicing up while with the Broncos and he still couldn't beat out Trevor Simeon? Whatever it, it took was, didn't help. I think it was a couple years later. Did you see the video okay. I posted on Twitter last night from the little cutaway they did in the Nuggets game we were doing for DNVR watches? No. No. It was uh, Chauncey. This was 2009. 
and the NFL draft was like coming up and so they did like a little cutaway interview with Chauncey and they were like so who do you want the Broncos to draft and he's like man I know we need defense I know we need him to draft defense but wow if there's any way we would be able to get Mark Sanchez (laughs) 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 I think the city would just be uh just be in love with him like I think he's a future star oh yikes it was pretty Mm -hmm. funny he should stick to basketball (laughs) yeah seriously uh anyways I want to give a shout out to Breck Brew we had a uh a momentary panic in Colorado yesterday when they said uh, that they were going to shut down liquor stores and marijuana shops for the time being. Not a very well thought out plan, especially because they gave people about 24 hours to get their stock. So of course, I mean, seconds, literally seconds after this was announced, everyone started flooding to wherever they could go. Uh, And all I was thinking was, guys, guys, calm down. You can just use the Drizzly app hit up Breckenridge Brewery, and they'll bring it right to you. And Breck it just extended their um, area in which they're delivering to. Um, so if you're really anywhere in the metro area, there's a very good chance that Breck will deliver to you. I know they'll come all the way out to me down here towards Broncos headquarters. So uh, They'll come all the way out to me by, uh, by <laughs> Broncos Stadium pretty much. Yeah, so there's a, there's a very wide range of places where you can get it. Uh, but – yeah, so use the Drizzly app, hit up Breck Brew. I'm going to stock up on my Strawberry Skies, which I've been going through quickly, especially playing the Love is Blind drinking game. Love is Blind tonight, 8 p.m. <laughs> um, but how about that yesterday, boys? That was something else. It was insane. At, uh, at the press conference with, with Hancock, he was asked, are liquor stores essential? And, of course, he made a joke. He said, they're essential to me. And then... <laughs> The legal person comes up, says they're shut down, and what was it? Two hours? Three. Where, it, it, three it hours. It was three hours, or just under three hours, because I think they they announced that they were essential at about five o'clock, and the press conference at which the announcement was made, I think it was about two fifteen or so, and then by two forty-five, there were pictures of lines around the corners of some of the larger liquor stores in the Denver area. I passed by a couple while I was while I was out and uh just and saw parking lots just overrun with cars and people standing down the block it was just it was insane I mean it think of all that's gone on and yet the most visible sign of panic in Denver over all this (laughs) was when the liquor stores and marijuana shops it looked like they were going to be closed and it's just what you need now is uh (laughs) gathering large groups of people right yes Yeah, they didn't think that one through, especially since (laughs) California on its shelter-in-place law exempted liquor stores. I just – I don't understand. Like, the lack of foresight is honestly (laughs) baffling to me. And obviously, we don't like to get into politics on here, but just, like – they the least they could have done and this this goes back to a tweet that the police department sent out before polis went on was like hey if you're gonna do a shelter in place could you please like let us know first and obviously they didn't do it but like this is the same thing like the the liquor store should have been like hey if you're gonna shut us down could you at least like let us know first so we can overstaff for one day because they were they were understaffed if anything and that was part of it yeah and because the governor yeah. had come out the day before and said everyone needs to cut their workforce by 50%. <laughs> so, I mean, there's no, there's no playbook for any of this that anyone has dealt with. 
But this is one where you might want to coordinate it or just just think about it. Just think in terms of common sense. Well, you know what is common sense, and that's Davidson's. And Davidson's wouldn't have been affected by this yesterday anyways. And if they had, it wouldn't have mattered because they have all of the alcohol you could have ever imagined. Mom and pop stores are probably running out of alcohol, but not Davidson's. And they have two locations in Centennial and Highlands Ranch. Guys, you can social distance yourself in their stores because they are so big. They have everything that you could ever want, including our favorite, Breck Brews. So make sure to download their app for incredible deals and check them out in Centennial and Highlands Ranch. All right, let's move on here into the questions from the good folks who support us so much every day. And uh, I will start us off here. The first one comes in from Mark IT Snatch. He says, hey, guys, on the topic of sports broadcasters, I always thought it would be fun if the local radio announcers worked together, i.e. Dave Logan and Brent Musburger tag teaming play-by-play and color for the Broncos Raiders game or more legendary pairings like Harry Carey, Vince Scully covering uh, Harry Carey and Vince Scully covering uh, Cubs Dodgers playoff games together. What would be your dream scenario broadcast team and what uh, game past or future are they watching? I'm holding out hope that one day Peyton Romo and McAfee have a primetime game together covering either the Colts Cowboys or Eagles Patriots. Oh boy. I mean, that's a pretty dream team right there. I want to see more Pat McAfee. Um, of course I want to see more Peyton Manning as well, or I just want to see Peyton Manning. Um, what was the deal he turned down with ESPN? In terms of, wasn't it like, uh, in the neighborhood of 14 million? They didn't even offer him Tony Romo money. (laughs) I guess not. If I'm Peyton, there's no way I'm accepting a deal less than Tony Romo. You just say like I'm literally better than Tony Romo at everything. <laughs> well, the the other thing for uh, for ESPN, they've already. It's interesting that they've already got Peyton Manning on a deal, because he's doing uh, stuff for ESPN Plus, including the Peyton's Places, which they're also now, because of the lack of sporting events, they're working into rotation on ABC. They're going to air a Peyton's Places marathon on ESPN two tonight, so they're already getting kind of value from Peyton Manning, and it was just a question of whether he wanted to really expand his role and uh he said no i think it's uh, I, I think it's fascinating but Peyton manning is at the point in his life where he can pick and choose kind of what he wants to do but it's a shame i i agree with you zach pat mcafee i would put him on monday night football in a heartbeat he's the reason he is the new age which is that it, this is about entertainment yes over everything and he is great a great entertainer and if you notice you know a lot of the media that is successful in today's day and age. It is the outlets that are focused on entertainment over everything. And so while he might not be traditional, and I'm sure there's people that are used to a certain thing and that he really rubs the wrong way, he does it in a way that is designed for entertainment. I, I remember, you know, when I was a more of a quote-unquote purist, I didn't like Bill Walton. Now I absolutely love Bill Walton now because he entertains me during the game. So uh, he is an entertainer at heart and that's why i am with you guys i really like him though he's not part of my dream team but i really like it bill walton i don't mind calling my team's game if it's inconsequential if bill walton is calling a high leverage game that's where i think he would drive me insane but i remember i watched him call a a north carolina portland game 
support the Portland Pilots of the West Coast Conference in like in an early round of some early season tournament, and it was a blowout. And I thought, okay, yeah, Bill Walton is fine. But if Bill Walton was calling Carolina Duke, I'd probably want to take my flat screen and throw it out the window. And with CU, you, Ryan, you've heard Bill Walton call some big buff games. And I have to admit, that would bother me. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I, to me, it just it just adds to the game. I, I understand. Like Again, I totally get why someone might be bothered by it. But to me, it's so entertaining. He's just hilarious. He, he's perfect for a game I don't care about. And well, and ultimately, when you talk about a national audience, you, you've got to get more than just the fans of those teams. Those fans are going to watch no matter what. They don't care. You know, they don't care who the broadcasters are. Broncos fans aren't going to turn off a Broncos game because they don't like the broadcaster, correct? Right. Yep. So the announcers and like the entertainment they value they bring it's about the neutral crowd. How much of those people who could be on the fence, they're trying to decide whether to watch a, a ball game or watch Netflix. Is this, more is this more entertaining than a Love is Blind marathon? And that's why someone like McAfee, I think he would have some value for Monday Night Football. If not him, who are some guys that you would think of? I mean, Peyton Manning, I think he would have been great, but that was a swing and a miss. Where does ESPN go from here? I mean, what other names would bring people to watch the game. Obviously, Peyton Manning does. I think Pat McAfee, now Pat McAfee would not nearly bring the number that Peyton would, but uh, people that know him, I think would at least tune in to the first game just for him. What other names are out there that Monday Night Football could get? No one. It, it, to me, it was Peyton Manning or bust. And that leads me to my actual answer of this question, which is I would have killed to hear Peyton Manning and Al Michaels which was oh. ESPN's dream mm -hmm. team. That would have been absolutely fantastic. So to me, and, and to go back to actual Mark IT Snatch's question, it's kind of like a basketball team that has too many stars um, or too many shooters, too many volume shooters. You, there's only one ball. And so you, to me, you can't have Harry Carey and Vince Scully together. Well, baseball's a little different. You can't have Dave Logan and Brent Munzberger both doing the play-by-play because, you know, there's only one ball. Well, what was interesting, this is way back, and our older listeners may recall this, but up to about the mid-1970s when, when the NBC would broadcast the World Series, they would pull in local announcers for part of the games. Like, for example, you, uh, the 1975 World Series with Carlton Fisk's famous home run in the 12th inning. Dick Stockton calls it because Dick Stockton was the Red Sox announcer and they brought him in for Red Sox home games and they brought Marty Brenneman, the longtime voice of the Reds, in when there were games in Cincinnati. So there's actually a little bit of a precedent for kind of maybe not dream teaming it, but you know, shaking it up a little bit in the booth, even at something like the World Series, which is one of the most watched sporting and sporting events on any calendar. So you can be creative with this. Uh, real quick, I love what they've done in like the Super Bowl and the College Football National Championship in the sense they give you all sorts of different ways to watch it. Oh, they mm. did it with the World Series too, where you could watch like the analytic crew. Uh, the College Football one has like coaches' corner or whatever, coaches' booth where you mm -hmm. have a bunch of coaches. Like, I love that they're they're ex the bigger the game, they're expanding more options. And to be honest, circling this back to Bill Walton, I think that Bill Walton should be doing things like Sunday night baseball 
because mm-hmm. baseball has <laughs> so much downtime and dead time. I don't watch Sunday night baseball ever, 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 ever. If Bill Walton was on it, I probably would. The White Sox pulled him in for a broadcast last year and it was hilarious. I remember yeah. that. It was fantastic. Yeah. It was like a blowout. And mm-hmm. so there was nothing uh, important happening. And he was just telling stories about like dead shows in Chicago. You hit on something interesting with multiple broadcasts. Do you remember a few years ago when TBS had the final four and the championship game and they did, they, they would do the team stream broadcasts. So mm-hmm. like if you were a North Carolina fan, you could watch a broadcast that was Carolina centric, or if you were a Wisconsin fan, you could watch uh, the, one of the Wisconsin announcers calling the game. I yep. absolutely loved that as yeah. a fan. And if I, if I were a Bronco, like let's say I'm a Bronco fan and it's a big game and you could give me a home team broadcast that uh, had Dave Logan and uh, someone work, someone uh, working color, like uh, a former player, like get Brian Greasy back in or something like that. I'd be down for that. Or maybe the three of us calling a game. Hey, there you go. <laughs> I already got the dream team. <laughs> yes. Personally, I am not a, f- uh, a fan of that for me, just because like if my team's in a big game, I want to hear the big name calling it. I want to hear, you know, like like when I go back and watch sixty two thirty six on DNVR watches uh, this Saturday. I love the fact that you get to hear uh, Brett Munzberger on the game. Like I would much rather hear him than. Uh, you know, with all due respect to the GOAT, Larry Zimmer, I would rather hear Brett Musburger calling a big game. So what do you what do you guys think about, like, um, former athletes or uh, notable fans or famous people sitting in for a game? You know, ESPN has tried to do the, this thing. Uh, temporary. Just a quick okay. look. Give me, you know, five minutes. One, if it's basketball, oh. one, one break. Or you know one uh, segment. So would you want to hear Alfred Williams call a Buffs game? No. <laughs> Next one coming in from Broncos for Life fifty eight. What's going on, DNVR fam? Been a while. First thing, first thing first. Love the way the off season has shaped us for us so far. So excited to see the end result of a stack season behind lock. Secondly, slight flex. But talking about all the paintballing has me flashing back 10 years. I have one of the rarest guns in the world, the Gambler by Angel. I recently pulled her out and dusted her off, thinking about getting back into it. Anyone in SoCal down to meet up and spend some paint? Oh, is that the hip lingo? Spend some paint? I guess. Not right now, I imagine. I remember the Angel was like the top of the line like that was the one that everyone wanted but i don't remember the i think there was like a different name the angel something not the gambler i'm sure the gambler was like the uh super top edition or whatever angel of death <laughs> i tried looking it up last night and uh couldn't even find it it's that rare really yep damn that's crazy uh low star bronco you want to move on or you got more yeah you know yeah, go for it Yeah. Hey guys, kind of sad y'all didn't enjoy my Nigerian Prince scam skit as much as I did. I chuckled like a little girl when I typed it out. Oh, sorry. LOL. Anyway, my head. So I'm putting that one on Mace. LOL. Anyway, I think y'all missed a key aspect to the change in mentality. The team has coming. Jarrell Casey is a heck of a leader. 
I saw a clip of pregame speeches, and this man can make you want to run through a wall for him and the team. I hope he has a great impact on Draymond Jones and, heck, maybe even Demarcus Walker. Keep up the strong work. Love you guys. Love you too, Lone Star. In fact, uh, right after this pod, just going to put the bow on a story uh, where we get into, where I get into uh, Jarrell Casey's leadership uh, from someone who would know, Wesley Woodyard, who, along with Jarrell Casey, was a team captain for the Titans for the last six years, who talks exactly about that, his leadership. I still can't get over the coup that the Broncos pulled off here. Uh, I mentioned trying to trade for him in Madden. And then in our uh, Broncos Slack channel, uh, Kale chimed in and said that he tried to trade uh, a second rounder and Derek Wolf and still couldn't get the deal done. So obviously Madden is not real life, but I just, every, I think I said this once before, every single time I learned something about Jarrell Casey, I just come away being like, how did they pull this off? Yeah. Now, does Madden have salary cap on it? Yes. So that's interesting. So it has a salary cap, but it doesn't accept salary dump trades. Right. Yep. Not uh, smart Weird. enough to do that. I love uh, turning force trades on. No, you can't do that. <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to like turn force trades on edit all of my players to be 99 overall in everything <laughs> and, and just like win every game like 80 to zero and I don't understand why that was fun for me you had a uh, a little Cordell jo- or who was it oh who was the Ohio State quarterback Cardale Cordell Jones. Jones yeah Cardell, Cardell Jones. Jones yeah what that, about uh, it? he played a kid in Madden and uh that was like in the hospital or something and he just blew the doors off of him. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, I like, if I, I can't believe I was like that. I just, I guess I just got such a thrill out of winning regardless of the circumstances. Everyone was, everyone was when I was that this is dating me, but back in the NHL 94 uh, on the Sega Genesis, I would always create a player who had 99 skill level in anything named like God almighty or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also, no. would cre- I also would create a guy who's like seven feet tall, 350 pounds and ran like a four, two forty. Of course. <laughs> next one. I, oh no, you go on. Next one. Here's from RD Dollywall. Says one over under fifty sacks for our D line, assuming we re-sign Wolf. Last year we had forty sacks and gave up forty-one sacks, but we didn't have Bradley Chubb for the whole year. I don't need Derek Wolf in this to say over fifty. Mm, I'm going to say under fifty because that's a, that's a big number to get to, and that's over three sacks a game. I don't know this if this team makes it to fifty. What what led the league? Do we know what led the league last year? Looking I'm looking it up right now. Just over 50. But yeah. Broncos really had 40 last year. That shocks me. I know, right? Uh, you think like a lot. 10 from Vaughn. Yeah. Five yeah, from Wolf. Oh, no, no. Eight from Wolf, right? Yeah. Seven. If you hit 50, Seven. you'd be in the top four. Four teams had, oh, that was in 2019. Four teams had 50 in 2019. In 2018, pardon me. Last year, four teams also had uh, 50 plus sacks in 2019. So basically, to get to 50 means you're among the top four teams in the league. Last year, the Broncos had 40 sacks. The year before, with Vance Joseph, the Broncos had 44 sacks. Part of getting to 50 sacks also 
is it's not just your pass rush. You had interesting, like Carolina got to 53, which is pretty impressive for them. But New Orleans got to 51, and New Orleans is playing a lot from ahead. So, like you get, in fact, if you go through the top six teams in terms of sacks amassed last year, only one had a losing record, and that's Carolina. Yeah, yeah. I've got Vaughn and Chubb down for 25. Um, <laughs> Not each. Total. <laughs> okay, good. Total good. between those two. And I don't know if the rest of the team can pick up 25 between them. Yeah, because Jarrell Casey's a good – yeah, he's a good player, but he's – what do you realistically expect from about five to seven sacks, right? All right, so now you're at 30. You still got 20 more to fill that. Yeah. But whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> We're talking about Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Two top five picks, you're paying Von Miller a ton. Jarrell Casey, you're paying him a ton. And you do have the secondary that should be able to support these guys and allow them to get to the quarterback. They better be in the top four in sacks. And especially you add on that last year was kind of everyone's uh, mulligan year. You know, Bradley Chubb gets hurt, so that's that's his excuse and realistic uh, excuse. Uh, Vaughn just has a down year. He needs to bounce back this year. You're still paying him big money. So, no, I'm saying they, they got to get over 50 sacks. you got to be in the top five. Well, the other thing that's going to help this is if you've got an offense that's productive. So a lot of this is on Drew Locke, Pat Shermer, and company because you got to play from ahead to set up the type of situations where your pass rushers can tee off and attack. And if, if the offense is just okay, if it kind of takes – some small steps forward rather than a quantum leap. If it's average, I don't think an average offense would have this team playing from ahead, playing from two scores ahead in particular, enough to where you're talking about 50 sacks. Mace, you're giving me bad, bad flashbacks to every week when Vance Joseph would say, we just need a lead. We, we need to play with the lead. <laughs> and I know Ryan and I just ripped our hair out. What, what team, what coach would say, we really want to play from B. Well, the problem the problem was that it was on top of everything else that was going on with the team. But in terms of the correlation between a big sack total and the quality of the team and playing from ahead, he's not wrong. There's right. de- there, over the big picture, there is a connection. Your entire plan and existence, though, can't be right. around. We have to get a lead early in the game. Which is- and espe- especially when you say we have to get a lead early in the team in the game. And oh, by the way, one year our quarterbacks are Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, and Brock Osweiler, and the next year our quarterback is Case Keenum. That's a right. bad strategy. You need something much more, much better than what you had. Absolutely. Next yeah. one here comes in from Brian. He says, Hey guys, Brian here, AKA the rightful servant to Kyler Murray and Tariq Cohen. He is of course talking about the DNVR Madden league. Uh, who, who would y'all say is the most physically gifted wide receiver in our team's history, not production, just who wins the underwear Olympics. Well, maybe the second most um, productive wide receiver in team history. And that's DT. I was actually just having this conversation with someone uh, a couple days ago that DT is, I mean, you want to build a body in Madden. That's who you're building for a wide receiver. Okay. I'm going to get in on a technicality here. When Shannon Sharp first arrived with the Broncos, he was a wide receiver. Mm, That's a good point. 
There Shannon you go. Char and and I, I think it's important, though, to not forget Brandon Marshall here. Yes. Yeah, I, I was actually just uh, trying to find a picture of Brandon Marshall shirtless, but uh, that's not coming up very easy. Uh, if anything, uh, when he was drafted, there was actually a worry that he was too built. Yep. That he was kind of that he would have some muscle pulls because he'd maximized his frame and how he uh, built that up in the weight room to where there was a fear that he might uh, come down with some uh, soft tissue muscle pulls on a regular basis. It that proved to be unfounded, of course, over time. Based off, uh, it's kind of based off the David Boston theory, right? Mm, yes. Too strong. Right. Reminds uh, me of myself. The Broncos have had a lot, a lot of really talented, I mean, physical specimens. Even Cortland Sutton is not mm -hmm. quite there in terms of those guys when it comes to muscle definition, but in terms of physical gifts, he's got them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He says, secondly, does the Gordon signing start the clock on the deadline on re-signing Lindsey? And RK, I built the Cardinals to honor you. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's uh... – I don't think it starts the clock for Philip. I think it's actually the opposite. I think this hurts the Philip Lindsay's chances of getting a big deal. And does it make sense, especially now, just to give Philip Lindsay the Chris Harris Jr. deal, to give him $3 million, to give him $2 million? Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it gives a window to re-sign Philip Lindsay down the line, but uh... – I think this is more it kind of pushes a it, it it kicks the can down the road a little bit because now it seems obvious that the next play for 2021 is going to be giving him the second round restricted free agent tender which will keep interest in Lindsay on the market to a minimum to a minimum and then seeing uh, where it all stands in 2022. Who's next one comes Next one coming in from Boucher all day. Let me start by saying I love the Melvin Gordon signing, but if you could have your choice between Melvin Gordon or re-signing Wolf, signing Amukamara and Peters, then pick up a versatile back in the third round, which would you choose? Would we be able to sign all of them if we didn't sign Gordon and cut Hireman? It makes you wonder if the money could have been spent better. Either way, I love the moves and I'm pumped about the season. Uh, no. Um... <laughs> You could have Wolf. Right. I mean, I guess now in this um, depreciated market for these guys, you might be able to – I don't think you can get all three of them for $8 million. You might be able to get two of them. But, again, we, we talked about this yesterday. You could still really manipulate things to get two of them. Yeah, and, and, and I completely agree there. And also, John may look at running backs and say, I'm not very good at drafting them. Um, was Monte Ball was his pick um, and Royce Freeman. And he may say, I don't want to spend another second, third round pick on a running back when I can get uh, a known running back, a pro bowl running back. It goes beyond that. I mean, he's taken four running backs in rounds two through four over the time he's been the general manager. And all of them have not worked out because you've gone through Ronnie Hillman and Monte Ball and Devontae Booker and Royce Freeman. He's 0 for 4. He's had a lot more success finding running backs in the undrafted ranks because that's where he found C.J. Anderson, and that's where they got Philip Lindsay. So what they have in that room right now, it's actually the two models that have worked for them, a free agent because they had a lot of success with Willis McGahee back in 2011 when they brought him in, and the undrafted guy. And so maybe that what you're doing 
for the next couple of years is you're looking for that next undrafted guy to perhaps be the guy who spells Philip Lindsay when Melvin Gordon moves on after a couple of years. That's something you, to consider. That's, that's really something to consider. Would you guys rather have Derek Wolf or Melvin Gordon for $8 million each? Two years, 18, or $16 million, $13.5 guaranteed. Easy. Melvin Gordon. Yeah, Melvin Melvin Gordon as well, and uh, yeah, I, I'm I, I'm not bothered by them bringing him in. The other thing uh, he mentions Jeff Hireman. That's one where like the Nick Vanek Jeff Hireman thing. That's one where I, I, I'm not completely sold on that one. They 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 look like the same player to me. The difference is Nick Vanek stays healthier than Jeff Hireman. That's pretty much it. I, one thing that I like about Nick Vanek is he's not Jeff Hireman. <laughs> what do you have against Jeff Hireman? <laughs> <laughs> he's not very good <laughs> and he and he's just i don't know he's just always been underwhelming i'm coming in with low expectations for nick vanna and so it's gonna be very easy for him to meet them so he's got the low bar to clear because he's got the jeff hireman bar to clear is that what you're saying right it's like when james winston <laughs> goes to the patriots yeah <laughs> i at least like that nick Vanett. You you know he's a blocker, so when he does finish with 14 catches for 114 yards in the season, you're like, oh, okay, it's what we expected. All right. Bring back the Supersonics, and I agree with that handle, by the way. Been a while since I last commented. Love the free agents so far. We still need another cornerback to go with Boye. Not sure about Nick Vanett, though. My question for you is what draft move would be the worst-case scenario for each draft spot for the rest of the AFC West? Mine would be for the Chargers at seven to get Isaiah Simmons. I mean, what type of defense would we have to contend with seeing Simmons and Derwin James roaming around back there? Raiders at pick 12 pick up Henry Ruggs and then Javon Kinlaw at 20 at 19. Having to see Hill from KC and having to go up against Ruggs, it would be atrocious to say the least. Also would hate to see our secondary have to cover Hill and Mims going against KC. And Denver taking an offensive tackle just to sit him for a year or so while we let O'Holds 72 play, what say you? Jeez, man, the quarantine is getting to your head. <laughs> Why you gotta I, go here? Yeah, it, everything you laid out was bad. But if the Broncos take a left tackle in the first round, he's your starting left tackle. Don't worry about that. Yeah, you're. If you take if you take Worfs or Wills or Andrew Thomas, or I don't think they're going in the Mackay Becton direction, but let's just live there for a moment. If you take one of those four guys, Garrett Bowles is probably being traded for a late round pick before the end of the draft. Like it's Garrett Bowles out the door for a sixth rounder. Unless he holds his way into, holds himself in Denver. Or he, maybe he just, try, yeah. You tr maybe you say, we're going to hold on to him. <laughs> and like, like I could see the post-draft teleconference or post-first-round teleconference, and they draft a tackle, and someone asks, what does this mean for Garrett Bowles? And John Elway says, we're going to hold on to him. And all I'd want to say is, I see what you did there, John. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Oh, man. All right, Mile High Mike says hey guys sound quality may have changed but the content is 10 of 10 as usual thank Yay. you so much hey, thank, thank you. you that means a lot uh got to play rk and madden last night in full disclosure i was low-key starstruck to get to chat with them <laughs> but it was really fun um uh mile high mike allowed me to not i don't know if the word is allowed me but because of mile high mike i got my first blowout win so <laughs> i appreciate him playing with me what are we talking like 62 35 uh 
It was 55 to 20. Oh, that's pretty good. But, you know, we're both uh, in the beginning stages. I had lots of interceptions. Oh, some mm. pick sixes? Uh, yes, I think I did have a pick six. Also, in my DNVR league game yesterday, oh, man, heartbreaker. Got an early 14-0 lead, and my offense just stalled out, and I lost on a field goal as the buzzer uh, sounded. Wow, so you're telling me mm. playing with leads doesn't always work. Nope, my 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 Russian cover did not work in uh, in concert after that early lead. All right, he goes on says he mentioned Prince is still on the table and becomes more likely to be signed the longer it takes and he gets cheaper. While uh, Peters is still the preferred of the two, is Elway waiting for Prince to get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper until he falls under that line that he set for max pay? Do you guys know of any of the other teams who might snatch him up if we wait too long? Love being a part of the DNVR family. I have spoken. Mile high, Mike. Haven't heard of any teams with specific interest in Prince Samukamara, although, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, Tampa Bay sniffed around him. Yeah, and real quick, uh, Mile High Mike, dropping knowledge on me last night, said he watched a video in which uh, Prince referred to his name as Amukamara. Prince Amukamara. So we're going to have to work on that. And by the way, I don't know if you guys saw it, but Graham Glasgow Mm -hmm. video yesterday with his dog in which he said the glasgow family so shout out to all of our scottish listeners who have been pounding the table saying we're saying it wrong now we can officially know it is absolutely glasgow (laughs) boy that's gonna get me um next one coming in from jazzy bronco says i discovered the podcast a couple weeks ago and after listening during my drive time as a delivery driver, I just jumped in at the one year because the content is great and the community is fantastic. Judging from the love and support Zach's uh, sent Zach's way and my thoughts and prayers going out to you and your family as well, Zach. Well, thank you so much, Jazzy. That's Bronco, awesome. And we're so happy to have you on board. Absolutely. Used to hear Mace on the podcast. It came from the DenverBroncos.com podcast in seasons past. But as we approach free agency in the draft, I knew I needed some fresh content, and I found the best content. Thank you, guys. Man, I like that. Fresh content, best mm-hmm. content. Love Two it. Two quick questions. First, I need a... S- 75! Explanation. <laughs> There's a great story, I am sure. Well, it, it's all about Steve Atwater. Um, when I was over on Orange and Blue 760, we were doing shows on Radio Row, and Kyle Turley, former NFL offensive lineman, that came by. And Steve Atwater casually says, you know, Kyle and I made a movie together. And Ryan Edwards, my other co-host, and I were like, what? You made a movie? And it was a movie that was called, at one time, 75. For a DVD release, it was, late. it was changed to Dead Tone. But there's a scene in there where a character puts a speaker phone down. It's real dramatic, and there's a... There's dramatic music, and he says, 75. So every time the number 75 came up on the show, much to Steve's consternation, Ryan and I would say it that way, and then it just kind of grew, and now it's followed us to the various shows that we continue doing. So it's actually a tribute to Steve Atwater, the fact that Steve made a movie. He was a producer on this movie. So, And at the same time, you're haunting him when you do it. Yes. But we're trying to help Steve make his money back. (laughs) I... um... When, when you go into, like, a new subreddit on Reddit, uh, on the side, there'll be, like, just things that you should read before you start interacting here. 
we need to mm -hmm. start one of those. We can explain 75. <laughs> yes. and, dishwasher you know, salmon. Yes, dishwasher <laughs> salmon, uh, the straw hole argument, just mm -hmm. all of the base things that you need to know as a barrier to entry to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he goes on and says, second, kudos to the team for the best free agency we have seen in several years, but I am hearing a lot of push for Peters or Prince as the final piece if we add one more. I see a huge hole in the middle of the defensive line. And if they were to find a rotational nose tackle to rotate with Purcell on the cheap, who would that be? Basically, is there a Domitop Peco available on the market? Thanks. I don't see any hole in the middle of the defensive line, personally. Well, think about this. How often does a nose tackle play? About 40% of the snaps, right? He's a base package guy only at this point. Yep. And, and Mike Purcell proved that he could do that uh, just fine. I know uh, you've still got Don Terry Poe uh, still on the market, and there's some teams that are sniffing around him, but I don't think that's a huge need there. I mean, maybe there are some other guys on the market. There's one I remember watching a, a down at the Shrine game a couple of years ago, Deidre Sonat for the Atlanta Falcons, who kind of fell out of favor last year. Maybe you could get a guy like him for about a sixth or seventh round pick, and uh, he could back up Mike Purcell. But that's pretty much it. Yeah, but it's it's hard to see a hole when uh, there's a 330-pound man standing there. Oh, totally. I see what you did there. From <laughs> From Dan, hashtag trade up for rugs, Bert. This probably applies to RK and Zach more so than Mace because they grew up in Colorado. Although no doubt it still applies to Mace as a football fan in general. But did y'all get starstruck the first time you were at an Elway presser? Were y'all nervous at all to ask questions? I'm just trying to put myself in y'all's shoes, and I know I would be. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm human. It, uh, I think it must have been a pre-draft press conference with Elway. Um, Always enlightening. It, yes, where, of course, he mm -hmm. makes a joke about how this will be very enlightening. <laughs> well, uh, sometimes he can't help himself because, remember, he had that comment about Darius or Demarius Thomas at one of the pre-draft pressers yep. regarding getting him signed. It's always something like that that jumps out from the pre-draft presser. Or um, this year, I guess it would be the pre-draft uh, teleconference. I'll be honest. I actually wasn't uh, starstruck or, or any of those feelings. Just because it if it wasn't my foray into media, I had already kind of learned how to be a reporter. And once you do, and I've tried to explain this before, it's just really hard to explain. The second that you start working the job, the feelings and the emotions start to just change. Um, and, and it's just, you know, a matter of you're working rather than having fun in a sense, although we have a lot of fun while working. But so for me, I had kind of already learned the the way that, I don't know, I learned how, what it's like to be a journalist, which is different than being a fan. So I wasn't starstruck. I was nervous, but only because in your early press conferences, you're always nervous to ask questions because you don't want to say something stupid. Well, yeah, maybe that's, think, maybe yeah. that's a better way to put it, Ryan. Yeah, because because that's true. I think from like it wouldn't have been Elway. I, I agree with you. I'd cut by the time I got to Denver, and I actually could, did some stuff covering Elway when he was with the Colorado Crush. But by that time, I'd already kind of been through, uh, been through the car wash a bunch of times, so to speak. I was nervous the first time I went in the Bucks locker room when, I, which was like back in 1997 or so, when I was in college. I, I was nervous then. But uh, and I did feel the butterflies then, but then they faded pretty quickly. 
Yeah, it, they they do fade quickly. Do you guys remember your first press conference? Who it was? I remember uh, my first interview. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that 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 applies. My first ever interview was with Dom Collier, who ended up playing basketball at CU, but at the time he was just in high school. And the gig, the first gig I had gotten, they told me um, it was actually just my friend Will at this point. I was interning for him. He told me to go down to the Denver East first Montbello game at what's known as the Thunderdome, which is so awesome, um, and cover the game and then interview Dom Collier afterwards. And the funny thing is, like, Dom Collier's mom was super, super protective over, like, who he talked to, who the media was, et cetera, et cetera, and she didn't know me. So – I was standing outside the locker room and she's like also standing outside the locker room. And it's just me and her. And she's like, so uh, who are you waiting for? I'm like, and I didn't even know it was her. And I was like, oh, I'm just waiting to interview Dom Collier. And she's like, no, you aren't. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like what do you mean? She's like, you didn't like, you got to talk to me before you interview Dom Collier. <laughs> so I, I told, I explained to her the situation. I'm like, Oh, uh, Will Whalen sent me here and she's like oh okay I know Will all right you're good so I ended up getting the interview but man that was a uh, intimidating to say the least I would say so holy cow yeah what was your first press conference Zach uh I'm trying to remember his name what who was the Bronco uh that the or who was the player that the Bronco signed from the Texans in 2016 defensive end um he played at Nebraska Jared Crick Jared Crick. Jared Crick. Yep. That's it. That's it. That was, uh, he was my first good old Jared Crick. <laughs> oh man. I forgot about him. Cause he, he was barely healthy while he was here. Yep. I think he Poor got Jared injured Crick. and that was Yeah. It. No, he played one full season, I think. And then he got then injured in training okay. camp. Yep. Okay. Mace. Mace. Larry Smith, university of Missouri football, 1994. Love it. It, it was, a. Uh, I think it was act, it was a preseason press conference right after I'd uh, um, I'd gotten a, one of the three writing spots uh, on the campus paper writing about um, the football team, and uh, man, it was it was wild. I I I, I couldn't believe I couldn't believe I was sitting in there. I got to be honest with you. I, just being at an event like that, it was it was kind of a little bit of a starstruck moment. I'll admit that. That's awesome. You never, That's awesome. You, you never lose that, but you, you never, you never want to forget about that feeling because this job can be, you do it often enough. It can get so routine. And so you really sometimes want to remember things like that because you know, there at every big event, there may be someone in there for whom it's their first time. And it's pretty special. I love the fact I still get butterflies um, from certain things. Just, you know, maybe that's the first game of the season or maybe it's a Monday night football game or whatever it is. I still get like, I wake up excited, and I, I love the fact that I still have that going. Oh, yeah. I've, oh, yeah. I've, I've always told my mom that if it's the first game of the season and I don't have butterflies right before kickoff, it's time for me to do something else. Yep. Hasn't happened yet. Love I, it. I have butterflies right now just thinking about sports coming back. <laughs> yeah, oh. I cannot wait. I think I speak for us all with that. What am I going to do this weekend without Australian football and rugby to watch? Is Australian rugby out now? Yep. Uh-huh. It's out. There goes uh, our budding fandom of the Brisbane Broncos. Man. <sighs> it was a good run. We are in the <laughs> desert right now. <laughs> I mean, we we had we were we're one and oh as Brisbane Broncos fans. Hey, there we go. 
All right. Our good friend, the Count, Count Lock, you like gents. In this scenario, you get to inhabit the body, mind, and soul of any one character in any single film. You get to be in this new situation for one full day. You get to keep all the memories when you return to your normal life. Who would it be for you? Love the Count. I'll just say the first thing that came to my mind when I read this, and I don't even know if it's a good answer, but it just popped into my mind. Uh, how about Bruce Almighty? Oh, <laughs> just get to be God. That is, <laughs> yep. You can't beat that one. <laughs> I was, my, I was trying to think. Like after I thought that, I'm like, is there any like sports star? Like, there's no movie about just like the star quarterback who wins all the Super Bowls. Yeah, I mean, mm. boy, this is tough because in movies, there's, you know, always bad times typically that these that these characters have to go through. Bruce Almighty isn't too bad of a bad man. That's a good one. Well, he finds out that absolute power cor- corrupts absolutely and finds out that there's only so many things he can answer without being overwhelmed. Um, I would say this, given every if I could be a Bruce Almighty for a day. Um, and uh, wave away this pandemic, I would. There we go. Yeah. The swipe of a hand. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next one coming in from the Danimal Afternoon, fellow quarantinis. <laughs> what is the, which is also the name of my new favorite drink, the quarantini. <laughs> it's also a lot of vodka mixed with emergency. Probably well, that pretty sounds good. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> pretty strong. I love the taste of emergency. So uh, yeah. You do? Yeah. Which, fla- which flavor specifically? Because I, I, the berry one is kind of hit or miss. There's only one flavor in my mind, and it's orange. Okay. It's the okay. classic orange. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. With the big moves of free agency wrapping up, we still have our favorite stage four clinger at left tackle. So I wanted to get a reality <laughs> check from you guys on my offensive line plan. This summer, when Vic McMahon. Vince McMahon announces the expansion of the Colorado Gold and drafts Tebow. Elway should offer bowls in exchange for a signed Tebow jersey for all DNBR subscribers. A lifetime supply of giant pretzels at all Colorado Gold home games and their sixth round pick in the 2022 XFL draft. Shermer chooses to forego a replacement left tackle and runs everything out of a makeshift wildcat with Lindsey chipping off the left side on every play because that would be about as good as we've had at the end of the last three years does that make does that plan make sense to you because it seems like an upgrade in my eyes yikes yeah wow wow i think i know how you feel about garrett bulls um wow my only comment is it's the denver gold colorado gold sounds like a mustard (laughs) yeah From Flackaholics Anonymous. Hey, guys. Sorry if this has been asked. I'm a little behind on the pods with all the craziness. Is there any news on Derek Wolf? I would love to bring him back to play alongside Casey, Chubb, and Miller. Additionally, the rotation of Draymond Jones would help keep everyone fresh, and we, we all know the only way to stop the great quarterbacks is with four-man pressure. P.S. Pronouncing NHL as Chell was the norm in my house growing up, uh, as do most of my friends and family that I know of. I'm not sure where I heard it first, but I'm happy to hear that I'm not weird in that regard. Chell just rolls off the tongue much easier. Keep up the great work, and thanks for all you guys are doing. Because it's so hard to say three syllables, right? We have to reduce it to one? Yes, yeah. correct. Yeah, and you sound, you sound very cool, you know? I literally call FIFA fief. <laughs> like, so it's your fiefdom? No, I'm your just FIFA like... fiefdom? I'm just like, you want a fief? Oh, uh, that 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 sounds awful. 
<laughs> One thing on Wolf, um, I would say in the in the moment in which you can't really get physicals at this point, and I know that there was a, a letter put out yesterday uh, from I believe it was the uh, the Redskins' new team doctor, uh, and it was ba- basically kind of imploring everybody in the league to not have physicals for players right now while the uh, the medical resources in this country are so stretched to the limit because of COVID-19 that Derek Wolf, if he doesn't sign with the Broncos, he's probably not signing anywhere until after the uh, bulk of this crisis has passed because teams are going to want that to want to give him a physical. Is Can't that you see it? I'm starting to envision like one year, 2.5 million or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am too. Wild. And, yeah. And, he and I imagine there may come a point where he would sign something like that. And then the question this, becomes who you're starting. It, it, the, is he starting or is Draymond Jones starting? Now, is this why the, the benefits of letting some of your players hit the open market? Now, typically with John Elway, he either gets deals done ahead of time or he franchise tags a guy, then gets a deal done then. Or if they hit the open market, they're gone. That's not the the case with every team. Some teams let guys hit the open market and then bring them back. That's not typically the case with John Elway, but is this a reason why maybe John Elway should do this more instead of just, um, you know, signing Chris to a three-year $36 million deal in the middle of the season or Derek to, uh, you know, just giving him the 10 million he wants. Isn't this, could be a positive Now, Of course you also risk losing these guys. So it can't be a player that you really, really, really want to keep, but this could be a benefit is guys actually their value going down. Well, it's risk reward, but certainly it's if the Broncos were to bring back Derek Wolf, it would have paid off. And the other thing, uh, look at Shelby Harris, who's still on the market. And you have to say the Broncos judge things for Shelby Harris and Derek Wolf accurately. Shelby Harris spot track. They do market projected market value on some players and they did one for Shelby Harris. Can you guess what the projected market value for Shelby Harris was according to spottrack.com? I'm going to guess 11 million per year. Okay. Uh 12. 12.3. Uh, wow. <laughs> wow. Average yeah. annual salary. It suggested a 3-year contract of just north of 37 million Jeez. for Shelby Harris. And what I mean there's no those contracts you're not getting them after the first week of free agency no he'll be very fortunate to pay for one third play for one third of that man man alive who's gonna get more still shelby over Derek? i honestly i'm not sure that that Derek doesn't end up getting more clearly the perception league-wide on shelby harris is that he's a product of vic fangio and that he can bat passes down the line yeah Mm-hmm. And usually your batting passes down because you're not getting to the quarterback. Yep. Yep. It's your second choice. It's a way of getting something out of the positive out of the play when you're not able to breach the pocket. Yep, exactly. Next one so. coming in from Larry Den Jr. Hey guys, two questions for you. One, do you feel any restructures are coming 
given after Jeremiah Atachu. We have about $6 million in cap space after paying rookies. And two, do you think a trade-up is imminent either for one of the top three picks or back into round one? I feel a lot better about missing out on the big wide receivers if we could snag a Kinlaw and Mims or Thomas and Rieger day one. What do you think? I just have a feeling we're going to uh, – we're gone – we're going to give that third or fourth back to the 49ers since they got that first round pick and we do so much business with them. Thanks. Faith. You're welcome. <laughs> I, I was, I, I was going through it and I'm like, Oh, okay. I, th- I think I, I grasp what he's going for here. Um, the Broncos didn't exchange think... any uh, coaches with the 49ers this year. So I don't think there'll be any <laughs> yeah. suspicious trades. Yeah. I, I wouldn't describe a trade as imminent. I would say it's possible. And, this may be something where the trade happens on draft day. I think it, I think they're going to react to the board and how it's falling. I could see that. From Sir James Radio, can you guys rattle off the top three favorite movies of all time for you? Mine would be as follows. One, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. I haven't seen it. Two, Basketball. Seen it. Amazing. Three, The Mummy. Not the awful one with Tom Cruise. Seen it. Not in my uh, top three for sure. So what's okay. the other one? If what, it's not... What's the other mummy one? Uh, the one with Brendan Fraser. Brendan, is old, isn't The Rock time? in that too? Maybe not. <laughs> uh, I mean, the original mummy was a while ago. It was like late 90s. Could yeah, you imagine I, Rock as a mummy? I thought he was like a, like a, an Egyptian, you know, god or something. But what, or only like wearing Brent. like, only wearing the jog strap sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he would he would look good with that. Maybe that was just in my yeah, dreams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the original Mummy was 1999 with uh, Brendan Fraser. Right. And I don't see the rock. I don't see Dwayne the Rock Johnson in this in looking at the cast. <laughs> Maybe he well, was in something else. <laughs> that's uh, one thing for uh, the podcron to say we learned today is Ryan dreams about uh, Dwayne Johnson as a mummy. Oh my god. All right, top three favorite movies of all time. Um, this is always hard for me because I always feel like I'm gonna miss something or say something wrong. Um, I gotta say, I watched Shawshank Redemption the other night for like the Mm. tenth time. That's gotta be it. That's gotta be in my top three. Um uh Stand By Me is probably in my top three. Mm -hmm. Is that a musical one? No, it's uh it's an it's an eighties film. Oh, yeah! It's fantastic. You should watch it. It's a, it's a real Kids coming of age tale. Kids looking for a dead body, right? Yeah. Yes. Oh, well, I got some time on my hands now. It was and originally then, a. St- and by the way, both of those were originally Stephen King stories. That you made. Oh. Um, that's very interesting. And then the last one, I I always default to this one, even though I don't even think it's the right answer for me. But I love movies with twists and ones that make you think. And um, because of that, I always end up saying Fight Club here. Um, mm. But I don't think Fight Club is actually in my top three. It just always comes to my mind when I'm thinking of these. Yeah, no, it, that, uh, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to go Ocean's Eleven is my favorite one. I'm repla- I, wait, wait, I'm replacing uh, Fight Club with Almost Famous. Oh, okay. Okay, another, another old day okay. like that. Um, I'm going Ocean's Eleven, Gladiator, and uh, oh man, I'll go 
any Mission Impossible movie. Wow. Okay. Okay. Ocean's, 11, Ocean's 11 is great. Gladiator is good. I don't like Mission Impossible. <laughs> I knew I knew you were going to have some pushback on that one. <laughs> All right. I've got to name a Star Wars movie, so I'm going to go with Empire Strikes Back. Okay. Um, I'm actually you got to name of... another Star Wars movie. No, I don't. No, I don't. <laughs> I want to make sure it's rep- that Star Wars is represented somewhere on my top three. Um, Shaun of the Dead. Not really? Dawn of the Dead. Yes. <laughs> wow. That's uh, a the, the English heritage that you have is really coming through, <laughs> as it as it should. Um, is that the the z- apocalypse zombie one? It's a zombie movie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's it's kind of like um, scary movie in the sense that it's a yep. it's making it's a, fun of a real movie. Right. Yeah. Yep. yep. I've seen that one. And uh, ooh, totally old school. Um, all the presidents met. Mm, I haven't seen it. Love that. Sounds good. I'm I'm gonna have to watch that. You should, RK. You should. All right, I will for sure. Uh, quickly, shout out to Denver Rubber Company. They are tried and true since 1972. They're your most reliable local pro- uh, partner for all of your long-term projects. They are die-hard Denver sports fans. They are DNVR supporters. They have our back through what's a really tough time right now so supporting them is supporting us and it would mean a lot to us if you have anything that you need in the rubber field make sure you hit up denver rubber company at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr that's drcfirst spelled out at dot com slash dnvr Next one coming in from Swansea Bronco. Hey guys, it's awesome that you're carrying on through the current situation. Fantastic to keep a routine on the daily pods. Can't help but think of a suggestion for a new t-shirt. How about a Graham Glasgow? Did I get that right? Glasgow. Glasgow inspired t-shirt with the tagline Glasgow kiss. It's slang for a headbutt in the UK. Just thinking out loud. Anyway, stay safe and keep up the great work and providing a distraction for the DNVR family. Cheers. That's so badass that like your city is nicknamed for he- like has a slang term for headbutting people. It just makes, <laughs> makes the city seem so tough. Yeah, that is, that is awesome. Um, man, what would he be doing on the shirt? Headbutting someone. Oh, okay. With Gla- Glasgow Kiss underneath? Yeah, like he has a helmet on and he's going up against like I don't know, we'll say like Chris, Chris Jones. Jones. Chris Jones if he goes back <laughs> to the Chiefs. And Chris Jones for some reason doesn't have a helmet on and Glasgow is just headbutting him and like it just says Glasgow kills. Oh, we can leave the helmet everywhere. on. I mean without the helmet it's just kinda cruel. Yeah, but I'm looking it's also for brutality here. <laughs> Ryan's looking to sell shirts. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Sound guy. Solid podcast oh. given the circumstances. What mics are you using? I'd recommend the Blue Yeti USB mic. You can find it on Amazon. It's a condenser mic with gain control. This type of mic would also improve the audio versions of your articles. Yeah, um the a couple things here. We've actually experimented with those. Uh and so we're, we're just kind of trying to find the uh the whole kind of best situation here but as you can see i have one of those right here um it's not it, to me it wasn't as good so uh we're, we're working with all that stuff and also 
uh, as for the audio versions of the the articles, all of those are recorded remotely. Um, so there's we can't have one we you know can't have a company issued one of those for every single person to have at their house. So that's why sometimes the audio articles aren't quite as high quality as the podcasts. Isn't it wild? Totally side note. Isn't it wild that like Amazon Prime, there's not really Prime anymore? What do you mean? Like you can't get things delivered quickly anymore. It really? You, yeah, yeah. I don't think at least a lot yeah. of products aren't. Yeah, I noticed that uh, I was looking to order one thing, but then I thought that was like a, a worldwide problem. I was like, oh, if Amazon's having a problem with it, then everything must have be having a problem with it. But I ordered FIFA online and it's already on its way. Like Dang. it was on its way less than 24 hours later. Dang. So you're going to be wow. FIFA in it? Or yeah, FIFA soon? FIFA soon? FIFA in it works. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm, I'm honestly just, I, want, I have it there as a backup plan for when I get burnt out on Madden. Smart. Because those ah, things, okay. Those things just sneak up on me. Like all of a sudden I just wake up. I'm like, I don't want to play anymore. But <laughs> I'm not going to be able to do that because of the league. So I just need some, I need like a little bit of a distraction to pull me away. Then I can get pulled back into matter. <laughs> Smart to have that plan. You, you always think ahead. Exactly. Next uh, one coming in from true champ fan 24. I think the pod was just fine. Anyone who complains at this point is just bored and being picky. Well, thank goodness we haven't had anyone complain. Love watching Pliss <laughs> get trashed by RK, then by Shefty, only to be followed by the guys and gals on ESPN radio over the weekend making fun of him for his remarks. Not a good week for Cliss. I didn't, <laughs> uh, I didn't see that, but yeah, it doesn't sound good. Really quick, I just have to say this. To me, the funniest part about my tweet about it is at least half the people that responded to my tweet didn't even realize what the dig I was making was because they just thought that was true. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He goes on and says, this community has really helped the long days of now very odd sales work. Consider essential or considered essential, but also dealing with our company mandate, mandating that our showrooms and buildings remain on lockdown has been hard to say the least, but electricians need to keep power on and we have to be here for their needs. Somehow being told we are essential gives me comfort knowing I have a job still, but also makes me think how unessential we really are compared to the healthcare workers really dealing with the strain of this. Keep up the great work. We love y'all. Can't wait to make a pilgrimage to Denver for a nice glass of Breck when this is all over. We can't wait to have you. And yeah, it's a very good point. Uh, thank you to all of those healthcare workers that are really fighting the most important fight right now. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Also, is it possible to be nostalgic about something that's only been gone for like a week? <laughs> I think we all are. <laughs> because yeah. like the thought of sitting in the bar right now with the sun coming through the big windows in the front, glistening off of a Breck brew glass that's slightly frosted as I sip a strawberry sky, honestly, it could make me cry. Honestly, it's all I, all I want to do right now is go out for lunch at a local pub right now that's Sucks. all i want isn't it almost even worse because we we just got that delicious taste of what the bar was it, it's not like you know we we've been there not that we'll ever you know be there done that but it's not like it's been going on for we just got the the taste of what it was and that taste was so amazing and then it was pulled away I was going to make a reference, but I won't. Uh oh, I know what you were going to say. Because <laughs> I was going to say it too. 
<laughs> well, then I guess if we both know it, most of the listeners know where we are going with it anyway. <laughs> uh, next one here is from Kentucky UDFA. As always, uh, love what you guys do. And during these tenuous times, you guys make it easier to get through the day. Just wanted to reach out to Oklahoma Bronco and let him know if he wants to get in contact with me. At Aaron Bluell. That's Aaron, double A-R-O-N. B-L-E-U-E-L-2 on Twitter. I may be able to help him out with his move to Louisville. I've lived in Louisville my entire 43 years on this glorious planet and know a few people with rental properties that may fit his location needs, depending on what part of town would suit him best. Keep up the great work. Fingers crossed on the big three wide receivers. Go Broncos and go Wildcats. Said Louisville properly, too. Well done, RK. Yeah. Yeah, Because Louisville. Not Louisville. I'm pretty much an expert on geographical pronunciations. So then, Mr. Uh, expert, how do you pronounce that same word, the one that's by Boulder? Louisville. Yeah. Right. Which really yeah. when is I, boring. When I, when I first moved out here and I said Louisville, and they're like, no, it's Louisville. And I'm like, why? <laughs> it's sort of like I said Arvada at first. And like, no, it's Arvada. All right, yeah. Colorado, like, really just makes the pronunciations as simple as they could possibly be. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really true. And when you're used to things a little more complex, it's, you know, I, I sort of understand the sentiment. Hey, great, I, under, I keep it simple, but it took some getting used to moving out here. Of course, uh, my first attempt at pronouncing Arapaho was also comical. Oh, let us hear it. Arapaho. <laughs> oh my god wait wait like when you were an adult and moved out here or when you were a kid yeah i'd forgotten about the arapaho tribe arapaho. i looked at it, I'm like arapaho uh well, that's speaking, such a zach like thing to do it's such a zach thing and speaking of <laughs> speaking of street names and a zach thing and another street by dove valley uh potomac um, I used to play baseball, uh, those baseball fields right by Dove Valley. And I was talking mm-hmm. to my brother one day and he said, where are you? And I said, I'm on Potomac. <laughs> <laughs> See, That's it's, it's all about where, it's all about where you're from because the Potomac river, of course, borders uh, Virginia. And I lived there until I was 11. So that one always made sense to me, but I didn't live out here. I didn't say Arapaho very often. So I came out here and I'm like, Oh, okay. How do we say this? That's, that's all about perspective. That that's like yeah. not a word that's you. That's so uh, living in Colorado. It's just, it's, I thought it was a very commonly used word. Yeah. yeah. The, the one for me for Colorado that always get like kind of makes me cringe is Buena Vista. Mm. Like that is so, it should, that, that, that pronunciation is so bad compared to the way it really should be said but it's the way it's said in Colorado so you can't really like argue with it if like a reporter says it on the news or something mm-hmm. wait how, how should it be said Buena Vista yeah <laughs> but anyways yeah. Green Mountain isn't very hard to pronounce uh and Green Mountain <laughs> is the best damn family-owned dentist group in the metro area they are Colorado sports fans. They are DNVR supporters. And they'll hook you up with a free Sonicare toothbrush right now when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. So whenever you're going to have to go out and, and take care of your teeth, make sure you keep Green Mountain Dental Group in mind. They're a longtime DNVR partner, and we really, really appreciate them a lot. But, boys, I think that wraps it up for us today on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Thanks to everyone for tuning in again, and we'll be back with you tomorrow. Have a great day.